Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play at Walt Disney World Resort. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. And welcome to the Circling the Bases podcast. My name is DJ Short, and joining me here is Scott Pianowski from Yahoo. We are live on Twitch right now, so welcome to our our viewers over there. Uh, if you're listening in podcast form, we are recording on Wednesday afternoon, and today we are talking all about bounce backs, uh, players who disappointed last year, uh, but who have a chance of making us smile. Uh, this season. And speaking of bounce backs, I was actually looking up some Juan Soto rookie cards on eBay uh, just before hopping on the air here. For me, it's like, this is the time to invest in Juan Soto. <laughs> if you want to get a Juan Soto rookie card, I think you should do it right now because to me, I think he's an obvious name to bounce back. Sure. I mean, if you told me, if I, if I for some reason missed the whole season, you said, oh, somebody hit 378 this year. I'd say, oh, yeah, Juan Soto, right? <laughs> Um, and, and we wonder why he was going ninth or 10th in fantasy drafts, right? Is yeah. that your one chance? You could have conceivably taken him number one overall last year. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, the concern with Soto is like, is he going to run? You know, but like we've talked about before with some of these first renders, like a Jordan Alvarez, you don't mind if he's doing everything else. And with the way this uh, Padres lineup is looking, you know, he could score 120 runs potentially this season. So, uh, I think we'll see Soto get back on that early Hall of Fame track that we all expected him to. So uh, we're not going to talk about Juan Soto in our bounce backs today. I feel like that's a pretty much a given that he'll get back on track here. But we do have uh, a 10-pack of interesting names to go through. Uh, we will get to that in a minute. Uh, before we do, just a quick word for our listeners and viewers with all the new rules being implemented in MLB impacting fantasy baseball, it is more important than ever to get your Roto-World Baseball draft guide, fund all the player profiles, rankings, and projections you need to hit your draft out of the park. Go to NBCSportsEdge.com slash draft guide and use our code here, Pennant25, Pennant25, to save 25% at checkout sounds like a great deal uh, i just did some updates to the draft guide this morning with the unfortunate news of gavin lux's torn acl he's out for the season remember scott the other day we were talking about our optimism for gavin lux and just a few hours later you know he suffered that knee injury really a shame there yeah, please uh, just uh, forget everything I said about Gavin Lux. It's just the nature of the beast. Yeah. You know, Joe Musgrove has had a setback. He's going to probably miss uh, maybe a month time or something like that. And um, yeah. it's uh, there's guys who will get hurt in the World Baseball Classic. We're, we're all adjusting to these new rules. It's just part of what – and, you know, I know a lot of people will say – Somebody out there drafted Gavin Lux, and now they're dropping him, and they're going to say, well, this is why I don't want to draft early. But a reason why you might want to draft early, and hopefully on Yahoo Fantasy, which I think is a great place to play, is some of the guys we're going to talk about today are mispriced in the ADP market, but maybe closer to opening day, they may be 50 picks you know, more expensive or something like that. They may do something right. in spring training that gets some attention drawn to them. Or you know, who knows, maybe just the fact that we're doing this show will get people more interested in some of these guys. So... You you do give up – some of your players will get hurt when you draft early, and that happens. And that's a, a big fantasy football problem as well. But yep. the advantage to drafting early, other than the fact that it's just fun to do, and I know you and I are in the middle of the TGFBI, which is fun, and Tout Wars yep. is getting in, in their circle, and, and Labor just had their first draft last week, is you get a chance to attack the fresh snow, right? You're just like the skier. You're the first guy off the slopes, and, and you get the, all this fresh powder to, to take advantage of. So uh, hopefully we'll give some people a, a good way to attack those early drafts today. 
Yeah. And certainly like, you know, if you are in the fantasy industry, there is some sort of group think, but I think if the further you get into spring training, people get more set in what the draft should look like. I think right now it's still, especially in more casual leagues, it's kind of the wild west. So there is an opportunity to get some values with some of the names we are going to talk about today. Uh, in TGFBI, I literally just made a pick. Uh, as soon as we started recording here, I got Jake McCarthy as my second outfielder. Love, him. Love Jake McCarthy. A good example of, and, and he's not a bounce back player. He's more of like an undervalued player, but you, you have to know every team in Arizona. Nobody, you know, you think of the NL West. Oh, the Dodgers are star studded and San Diego has done all these great things. And, you know, the Giants have, you know, I have some Giants I want to talk about today. They've done so many good things with their pitching. And, you know, they were trying to make some splashes in free agency, although they didn't get some of the guys they wanted. And Coors Field for Colorado, even when the Rockies aren't good, we have to take Coors Field seriously. So I think Arizona gets lost in the shuffle and, Jake McCarthy's going to hit 15 home runs and steal 35 bases and probably bat third or fourth in an Arizona lineup that I don't dislike. It's not a destination lineup, but it's also not one of these like, oh my God, I got to avoid that team. I They're going to score 650 runs. It's it's a team that they could have an average lineup and we're going to want the at least upper half of those guys. And the Diamondbacks cleared out a little bit of the excess in their outfield trading Dalton Varsho uh, to the Blue Jays during the offseason. So the playing time might not be as risky as it may have seemed going into the offseason. So that's certainly a plus for uh, McCarthy there as I start to build my roster in TGFBI. Everyone's teams looks look good through the first three or four rounds. It's what happens after that. Uh, so it's really going to start getting interesting here soon. Who was your so, first pitcher? Did you take a pitcher yet? Uh, yeah, I took Brandon Woodruff as my first pitcher. Nothing wrong um, with that. Yeah, and I just took uh, someone we're going to talk about today probably. So I'm not going to spoil it. Okay. We'll wait on that one. Uh, my second pick, pitcher was Tristan McKenzie, who I think could take a step forward this year. Uh, I'm kind of waiting to see. I, I think the stuff's there for a big jump in strikeouts potentially this year. Um, so we'll see what he can do. But I think he was like the 23rd or 24th pitcher off the board. Yeah, I'm a big McKenzie guy. I wish I just – I'm going to miss that um, heavy divisional schedule that he was taking yeah. advantage of last year. That's, that's another thing we've talked about in some of the earlier episodes is – you know, it used to be you took a guy in, on the Cleveland Guardians, like, oh, yeah, great. He'll pitch against Detroit a bunch of times and Kansas City a bunch of times. He'll still get some of those starts, but there's going to be more out-of-division games. So the personality of each division is a little bit muted than what it used to be because they've balanced the schedule out this season. Yep. So let's get into our our bounce backs here. I'll let you start, Scott, and maybe we'll just go kind of go back and forth. What do you think? Sure. Uh, so a, a big theme, well, a big theme for me with bounce backs is somebody who had a poor season, but I give them an excuse. I give them a pass, and usually that's injury related. Now I realize this can be more of a leap of faith with pitchers because we're always afraid of pitchers getting hurt anyway, and it just it's just hard. And even your great pitchers, when they have a couple of bad starts, they lose a couple of ticks off the MPH. You get nervous. Jesse Winker, of the five I'm going to list to you, he's the one I feel the least confident about, but I'll start with him because he's right now his Yahoo ADP is around 250. You're getting him so darn cheap. He was a stud in Cincinnati. He went to Seattle. The park didn't work for him. He had all sorts of knee problems and, and elbow or shoulder problems. His whole body seemed to fail him. He's had a couple of surgeries. He says he's healthy. And I realize we're going to, everybody's healthy right now. It's it's all shiny, happy news in, in spring training. But he's going to Milwaukee, which is a great place for a lefty power hitter. We've seen all sorts of players. Willie Adamas totally rebuilt his game there. He's a right-handed power hitter. But I love Winker getting back to the National League, getting back to Milwaukee. And he says he's healthy. And at pick 250, what's the downside? If he doesn't work out for whatever reason, you can cut him. You can pick up somebody else. If he does work out, I think he hits 285 and hits 30 home runs. Yeah, I mean, he underwent a pair of surgeries during the offseason. Just didn't seem to fit well with the Mariners. And it seemed like there was some bad blood there, too, from the front office to him and vice versa. So I think just getting out of there is a huge plus for him. And going into a hitter-friendly ballpark, like you said. Uh, I think there's reason for optimism. And, and and like you said, you're picking them late enough that if it doesn't work out, you know, you're not sweating it too much. Um, <clears throat> my first bounce back is a former ex-Red as well, Tyler Malley. So last year had a 4.40 ERA and 23 starts between the Reds and the Twins. Uh, traded to the Twins at the deadline. Just didn't make much of an impact with the Twins down the stretch. Made just four starts. Uh, dealt with right shoulder soreness. So 
they didn't really see any of him uh, last year, but um, has really been impressive so far uh, this spring, averaged 94 miles per hour in his spring debut. But the thing I'm paying attention to is his slider. He worked on it really hard during the offseason. He's another one of those pitchers who went to driveline baseball, adjusted his grip, uh, now focused on throwing it more as a true breaking pitch. So kind of a, a, a I guess, uh, remanufactured version of Tyler Malley. The fastball velocity, you know, is nice to see, obviously. But the progress that he makes with this slider is really going to tell the tale of his success this season. You look at 2021, 375 ERA, 210 strikeouts and 180 innings. 2020, 60 strikeouts and 47 and two-thirds innings with a 3.59 ERA. His ADP since February 1st is 254.88, right in the range of Jamison Tyone, Merrill Kelly, Nathan Eovaldi, guys like that. I mean, I see a pitcher who struck out 200 batters two years ago, and you can get him as a late round guy. I'm in on that all the way. Yeah. And, you know, we, we've always known he was a strikeout guy and we've always, he's always been his best years when Cincinnati, we always thought, well, what if he got out of that park yeah. and what if he got a better defense behind him? Well, he's with Minnesota, better team, better park and a better defense behind him. So True. all he needs to, we're going to say it's about any pitcher, right? He needs to be healthy, but the upside is a 200 strikeout season. The ADP is a, is a, just a gorgeous giveaway. And this is what you're doing. You know, I mean, how many pitchers are really safe anyway? The second yeah. half of your draft is about plausible upside. There's all sorts of plausible upside here. So you you scratch off the lottery ticket. A lot of these lottery tickets are going to be discarded. You're going to cut these guys. You know, maybe a month into the season we'll be doing a show and talking about how you have to give up on them. That's okay. You don't need that many of these types of players to hit to have a winning season. He's certainly somebody circled on my list. Mm-hmm. So who's up next for you, Scott? Okay, so I don't even know if this qualifies as a bounce back or not, but I want you to draft Wander Franco, who is barely inside the top 100 in Yahoo ADP. And why is that? Because he was hurt last year, because shortstop is a very deep position, and because Wander Franco is no longer the shiny new toy. Now we're excited about O'Neill Cruz and, and other guys. Uh, and the shortstop market also got a lot of attention in the offseason because so many guys were changing teams, right? Where's Trey yep. Turner going to go? Where's Xander Bogart's going to go? Where's Dansby Swanson going to go? So it's become a hot position. An old, boring Wander Franco is what all of 22 now is, you know, we just want a healthy season from the guy. I still think he's going to win a batting title some year. He may not be the biggest category juice player because I don't know how much he'll run, although he could run if he wants to, but he could hit 30 home runs in a season. All he did last year was get hurt. He was great otherwise. He's still at a tender age. I think he's going to be a multi-time all-star. And I know Tampa Bay can be a tough team to draft into sometimes because they have a different lineup every day, but... Wander Franco is going to be in all of their lineups. When I see Tommy Edmond going in front of Wander Franco, and I know, look, Edmond steals bases, I get it. And I worried about Edmond's lineup slot. We've talked about that before. I, he didn't ultimately go down in the lineup last year. I think this year he will. But if you can get to a draft and get Wander Franco like a round or two after Tommy Edmond, you've played this right. This is the cheapest you're going to draft Wander Franco for the next 10 years. I want you to do it. I totally agree about Franco. And I think he is a bounce back guy. And by the way, if you want to invest in another rookie card, I think this would be a good time to do so with, with Franco, too. And it, last year, remember, he dealt with that fractured hammock bone in his hand. We've seen all the time, you know, players come back from that, maybe not showing the power right away that they have the potential to do. His max exit velocity last season was in the 85th percentile. So it was still in there. Uh, quick bat, elite in terms of making contact. I still have really high hopes for Wander Franco. Maybe not, you know, maybe he is a better real life player than fantasy player, but he could conceivably win a batting title this season. Like he is that good that he could do that. So don't sleep on Franco's Franco's upside. What do you got for us? So next up for me is Max Muncy. Mm -hmm. Um, And last year was kind of a mixed bag for him. Of course, suffered a torn UCL in his left elbow in a collision at first base, remember that was the last game of the regular season in 2021, rushed his return last spring, and really the results bared that out. He hit 150 with a 591 OPS through May 25th, landed on the IL at that point. But if you look at down the stretch, his final 60 regular season games last year, he hit 12 home runs with an 826 OPS. The quality of contact was back up. 
I think if he would have maybe taken a little bit more time before returning, not to rush back in the early part of the season, we would have seen a lot more like what we expect to see from Max Muncy. And with the full off season of rest, he's another one of those hitters we talked about the other day uh, with Gavin Lux, went to drive line, trying to make the most out of his talent, maybe make some tweaks here and there. I think there's reason to bank on a return to form and the Dodgers need him to be good. He's going to be in the middle of that lineup, a lineup that may not be as great as it has been in the past, but you think about who's likely to hit in front of him. Mookie Betts, Freddie Freeman. He's going to have chances to knock in runs. Multi-position eligible. The ADP is very reasonable since February 1st, 127.03. Would you rather take a chance on Max Muncy or Giancarlo Stanton? For me, it's Muncy. Yeah, I love the multi-position. Second base is one of the more challenging fantasy positions this year. And third base isn't as deep as it used to be. And as you said, I mean, I don't know who's going to lead the league and, and run scored in the National League, but Mookie Betts and Freddie Freeman would be my first two guesses because you, know, you see all the black ink on their baseball reference pages. Yeah. Those guys live on base. And Betts didn't even have a great season by his uh, yeah. by his standards, I, although I'm still taking him in the first round. He was my first TGFBI pick at slot 11. I'll take Freddie Freeman on any team I can. And, you know, also the Dodgers lineup, and I know they just lost Lux, which is a hit for them because they had expectations for, for him. This is a team, I don't think the version of the Dodgers by the end of the season, and they should probably be a playoff team again. I think they're going to add pieces. You know, when the trade, I, I think half the year they may have a different, you know, they'll address problems. They'll be proactive with, with bringing guys up or, or making trades. They're obviously a big market, big resource team. Would be fun if Shohei Otani ended up being on their team later this season or maybe next year. That, that seems like a logical fit to me. So uh, Muncy's still just, what, age 32 season. So I don't think that the age is really a prohibitive thing. People, I think there's a disconnect. When you see his average, he was a really poor hitter in the pandemic for batting average. And last year he was hurt. He hit under 200. I think when people see that number that starts with one, there's like, there's, oh my God, no. It's like, it's like you look at your bank account, all your money's gone or something. <laughs> it just panic. It gives people a panic that I don't think is totally justified. We're at, we're at a time where you, you, batting averages are lower than they usually have been in historically the last like 15 or 20 years. The shift is yep. coming now. It's going to help lefty yep. hitters, which obviously Max Muncy is. I would I was hoping that ADP would be a little bit cheaper on him, but I agree. Yep. It's a good time. I'm, I'm back in on Max Muncy. I'd be surprised if he didn't have a strong season. I've been thinking a lot more about the Dodgers, and this is kind of a separate conversation, but you know, after Lux went down and just thinking about this Dodgers roster – this is one of the weakest Dodgers rosters they've had in the past 10 years, which is crazy to say because they still have stars. But I think they've set the bar that high that, you know, in a year where the Padres are gearing up, I, I don't know. I, I, like if you really wanted to take a shot, let's say we're, we're doing a futures play. If you pick the Dodgers to miss the playoffs, probably not likely, but like if you sprinkled something on that, that could be, pretty fun i think i could see how the dodgers you know this might not work out for them this year well it's interesting i'm, I'm looking right now on roster resource their projected lineup and they have max muncie hitting cleanup and jd martinez batting fifth they need at least one of those guys to come through I and mean, i'm curious yeah. I, I don't think martinez was on your list well, what's your stance on jd martinez this year i mean i'm just i'm worried about the quality of contact i'm worried about the health obviously the advanced age there i think they're banking a lot on that they're banking on platoon guys like David Peralta to do what he does against right-handed pitching. You, you're right, though. Like The Dodgers have a good enough farm system that they need to upgrade in July. They can do that. And if they're hanging around in July, they could be a vastly different team down the stretch. But Clayton Kershaw, you know, what is he going to be? Can he stay healthy? Can Dustin May take a step forward? Do they get out any, anything out of Walker Bueller? What does the back end of their bullpen look like? They're They're – has never been more questions about the Dodgers than there is this season. And producer Adam chimes in and <clears throat> says that the Dodgers to miss the playoffs is plus 650. So okay. that's that's an interesting ticket to punch because I you lay out a case where um, San Diego's loaded, man. There's a lot, a lot of teams in the National League. The Cardinals are really good. Again, the AL, uh, the NL East has, what, four teams that think they can be playoff teams. I think three teams that have excellent chances to make it. So – um, I see. I, I feel like I'm talking out of both sides of my mouth here because I'm telling you to draft Max Muncy, but we have to be mindful that there there is a second half of a Dodger lineup that is unlike what we've seen in probably yeah. 10, 12 years. Yeah, I think you're you're up next, Scott. 
Sure. Let's give you a picture. Uh, last year, if we were doing some of these shows together, I would have told people that Lucas Giolito was going to win a Cy Young or at least be top three. That did not happen. And in fact, almost every investment you would have made in the Chicago White Sox roster, it seems like went wrong for poor performance. A lot of guys got hurt. So Lucas Giolito is now pick 145 or so in Yahoo, but he's still got, I think, Cy Young stuff. He's in outstanding shape by all reports. And I, look, I know everybody laughs with this best shape of his life stuff, but when somebody comes to camp and they're in better shape than they have been previously, I, I put some stock into it. Maybe just Tony LaRusso was the wrong guy at the wrong time. Maybe just too many White Sox got hurt last year. I, I, I think Giolito, I, I want to, he's young enough. He's still got the upside to lead the league in strikeouts. I think Chicago is going to be a playoff contending team. Maybe I'm just doubling down because I lost so much on Giolito last year. But the, the fact that the ADP's really you know, moved into such a cheap environment, and I still like this roster. I think maybe LaRusso was part of the problem. Obviously, a lot of guys got hurt last year. I dare them to all get hurt again. Uh, I'm back in on, on Lucas Giolito. I also think Lance Lynn, he's a little bit older than Giolito, but he's a, another guy you can get at a decent price. And Lynn was actually good at the end of last year. He so was really I'd, I'd like good. you to go back into that White Sox pitching staff. I think you'll get some decent returns there. Yeah, Lance Lynn was the pitcher I was talking <laughs> about earlier uh, that I was able to snag as my third starter uh, two five two ERA over his final fourteen starts last season with immaculate control. Eighty nine strikeouts, ten walks, and just eighty five and two thirds innings. Remember, he had knee surgery, started late, got hit around a little bit. That inflated the ERA. I'm all in on Lynn. We'll see about Giolito. I think what's interesting with Giolito is that if you remember, he had COVID last year. Mm, forgot about that. How did that impact him throughout the summer? Where Late in the year, his velocity was way down. He was throwing like 91 miles per hour. So, yes, if, he, if he's feeling good now, if he's stronger, watch the velocity in the spring. I think that'll give you a good indicator about what version of Giolito. I, I totally uh, forgot he had see. COVID. That makes me even like him even more. I'm going to move him up. I think the last time on this show I said I was going to move somebody up, it was Gavin Lux, and look, look what happened to him. But I'm going to move up Lucas Giolito after we finish this show. Yep. So next up for me is Mitch Garver, maybe a name we haven't really thought about very much in a while. Appeared in just 54 games last season before undergoing surgery on his right forearm. And when he was on the field, he struggled as well. I guess for catchers, maybe not terribly. 10 home runs, 702 OPS, but uh, hit just 207. Uh, still, he's back to full health this spring. Hit a home run on Monday. Even play behind the plate, which I think is worth watching. As of now, Garver is probably utility eligible only in most leagues. But uh, And I do think he's mostly going to DH this season for the Rangers. But if he can get that catcher eligibility back, I think he could be a really nice find. Remember, Garver hit 13 home runs with an 875 OPS in just 68 games in 2021. Had a lost year uh, in 2020, but uh, had that huge season in 2019, 31 homers in 93 games. Hits the ball hard, strikes out a little bit, but not obscenely to the point where I think he's going to hit 207 again. I think he can get back in the 230, 240 range, hit 20-plus home runs, and be a great value. The ADP on him is 440.37, which is basically in the range of Mike Zanino. I would take Garver over Zanino today. Gary Sanchez, who I don't even think is on a team right now, mm -hmm. uh, I think Garver could be a value. Yeah, I think so, too. He, he reminds me so much of Yasmani Grandal, although Grandal's more expensive, where they have they have such yep. good command of the strike zone that you wonder where the batting average comes from. Because as yep. you said, it's it's not like Garver strikes out a ton, and he, he will draw a walk, and you would, that all should be conducive to being a, a better batting average guy. Maybe, again, yep. with this new world that we're stepping into in 2023, that helps him. The key, when you're trying to solve fantasy catcher, we're always trying to figure out, where are at-bats coming from, from guys who won't have to catch? And it's possible that Garver could get anywhere between 400, 450, maybe even 500 at-bats where he's not catching except yeah. like once a week or something like that. We catch like 20 games during the course of the year. That's a huge advantage. That's like like 80 percent of my tyler stevenson activity is because he's not going to be a catcher most of the time and he's a really good hitter 
Well, yeah. as you said, you know, outside top uh, pick 400, man, uh, Mitch Garver, catcher, we're always looking. Maybe catcher's a little bit deeper than it has been in previous years, but it's not yeah. a deep position. Most of us are going to be scrounging around for a second catcher. Even in the Yahoo Friends and Family League, we really need one catcher. You're looking to find a guy on the, on the days where not everybody plays, stuff like that. So Mitch Garver is somebody you got to be aware of. In Texas, they're kind of figuring out, when I see their prospective lineup, other than maybe three or four guys, I think everybody else is written in pencil. So there's a team you right. want to have a, an eye peeled towards in the spring to try to get a sense of who their regular rotation is. There's no floor for Mitch Garver, but I think there's a lot of upside. For sure. So who you got next, Scott? So uh, when it comes to pitching especially i like to bet on the teams that seem to know what they're doing and the giants are one of those teams we've already had some sean Manaya hype on this uh, hype is too strong a word maybe but we've we pumped him up a little bit on this show before you mentioned he's, he's shown an uptick in his fastball velocity his yahoo adp is only 236 and the giants big park strong defense organization and, and a coaching staff i really believe in i'm going to want to get some Manaya this year i'm going to want to get some ross stripling so i think the giants are right a lot Manaya is a pitcher who he's still young enough. He's left-handed. We've seen lefties thrive there before. Alex Wood, you know, one of those guys who comes to mind. I just thought, again, I want to bet on what the Giants are betting on. And when the market says pick 236 on Sean Manaya, again, he's a lottery ticket. I, I don't want to say he's free because there's the opportunity cost of the other player you could select. But, man, there's a lot of upside. I could see easily see 13 wins, an ERA in the low threes, a whip around like 117, maybe 170 strikeouts. I think it's all in play for a guy outside pick 200. I'm very interested. Yeah, I'm in on Manaya too, especially after what I've seen this week. And if you look at uh, one good thing to do, go to Baseball Savant, look at uh, ERA, uh, expected ERA. Yes. And look at the difference between real ER, what their real ERA was and their expected ERA. And you will see that Alex Wood was one of the most unlucky pitchers in baseball last season. Uh, Alex Cobb, too. Uh, so those are two to target from the Giants. Although it was interesting to see Alex Cobb's comments yesterday after he pitched where he struggled. And he said after the game, like, this isn't baseball out there. And, like, he felt rushed. Um I'm sure he'll be fine, but it was interesting to hear. Maybe it was like an emotional reaction to just coming out, you know, your spring debut and nothing goes well. Uh, so I don't want to take it too seriously, but other pitchers are like, yeah, no big deal. I got it. But to hear that kind of emotional reaction, I thought was interesting. Yeah, I never bothered Mark Burley, who basically caught the ball and threw it, you know. <laughs> yeah. so, uh, these guys have to adjust. Um, and, you know, after I got hit hard, maybe I'd have, you know, if I have a bad podcast, maybe I'll complain that I was under a time constraint by the producers <laughs> or something like that. But um, I still would really draft. I think all the ADPs on the San Francisco starting staffs are reasonable. I'll, I'll be open-minded to taking any of them, even Alex Cobb. Yep. Uh, all right. I'll get to my next one here in a second. Before I do, remember, download the Roto World app to receive breaking player news all season long. Stay ahead of the competition by favoriting players on your roster get the latest injury updates, player news, and much more delivered right to your phone. It's available in your app store today. Make sure to get that Roto World app. Very, very valuable, especially during spring training as we get these injury updates and velocity readings and everything else going on. As soon as you draft your team, you can start favoring those players. And, That's and mandatory, them. man. You, you have to be... If, if you're not, you know, what, what Gordon Gecko say, you know, if you're not inside, you're outside. I mean, information is the most important thing that we have in whatever it is, whether you're a stock trader or you're a fantasy baseball player, you need to know this stuff. And, and this is going to save you time and it's going to keep your leg up at your competition. You know, so if you're in a league with me, I don't want you to download these apps. But if you're not in a league with me, you're, you know, if you're in my TGFBI, don't do it. You're in, you're in the Friends and Family League, DJ, you don't have to do it. But Terrible app, um, terrible. Yeah, terrible app. But everybody else, everybody else. It's, again, it's not only going to give you a better chance to win, it's going to save you time. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's And hey, what's the most valuable thing right now? Our, our busy lives that we have uh, is time. So we're trying to make it easy for you guys. Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? Step up like a boss and save the day or see what life's like under the tree of life? Did you? If you could. Would you? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play. Bring the magic at Walt Disney World Resort. 
The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Up next for me, uh, bounce back performer here, potentially, Chris Bryant. Um, you remember after he signed that deal with the Rockies, seven years, $182 million, last March. He didn't sign until last March. But he was a hot name in fantasy drafts after signing with the Rockies. You know, we don't have to explain why he signed with the Rockies. It's, it makes sense. But nothing really went as planned. Bryant appeared in just 42 games, dealt with back issues during the first half, plantar fasciitis in his foot down the stretch didn't play after July 31st last year. So really just a lost season for him when healthy though, he was pretty good. I think maybe you would have wished for a little bit more power production hit three Oh six, five homers, 14 RBIs, 28 runs scored in 42 games, but you just got to figure, you know, a full season at Coors field. He's apparently healthy this spring. The Rockies have kept him in the DH spot so far. But he homered the other day. There's been no word of limitations. I think they're just playing things safe with the most expensive player on their roster. But the ADP right now, 122.94. This is since February 1st, so over the last 30 days, 29 days. Uh, right next to CJ Crone, his teammate, 126.37 ADP uh, on NFC. I think if I had the choice between the two of them, I might take CJ Crone personally. But I think Bryant can bounce back and be very, very useful in mixed leagues. I think just having Crone at first base, you could kind of pick and choose when you want to use him since he's a different hitter away from Coors Field, as many are. Uh, but I have lots of optimism for Bryant. Yeah, Crone certainly has ex- explosive splits. Um, not everybody yep. has them to his level. So just be mindful of that if you're in a league where you can maneuver that. We... I love doing these shows with you, and I always feel like they make me better with my rankings and with my takes. And I feel like we agree on so much stuff. I I don't like Brian as much as you do, and who knows? Maybe I, this is my reasoning won't hold up. But I look at the comps for him on Baseball Reference, like Richard Hidalgo and Hank Blaylock and AJ Pollock, Giannis Cespedes, Trot Nixon, Corey Kosky, a lot of guys, Bob Horner, a lot of guys who were much better in their 20s than they were in their 30s. We've talked a lot on this show about players who are coming back from injuries. And I feel like there's like three different kinds of players in a very general sense coming back from injuries. There's the players on the front nine, like the Wander Francos, you know, he, he's in early, just starting out his career. So what, why wouldn't he come back healthy? There's the players on the back nine who it's the second half of their careers. Maybe we take a little bit more of a risk view towards them. And then there's pitchers where anytime a pitcher's hurt, we, we have to be nervous about that. I'm much more proactive about, again, Wander Franco's so young, I'm just not going to worry about And you mentioned that the handmade injury is something that you come back from, you usually have a full recovery. It's not a big deal. Maybe I'm just talking myself out of Bryant because I, I when I saw all these players that he was compared to, so many of them were great in their 20s. And then by like 32, 33, 34, they were irrelevant for major league and fantasy purposes. Right. Of course, can hide a lot of a lot of leakage from a game. And I still think Chris Bryant is somebody who has a lot of pride in his craft. He's, I always thought that he was, I, I drafted into him so much after his MVP year in Chicago. And so maybe some of the years that were a little bit disappointing to me is coloring this, but this baseball reference comp page has me a little bit spooked DJ. I don't know. Richard Hidalgo is a Mets legend. Uh, <laughs> after the Mets acquired him, I think it was in 2004, uh, Hidalgo homered in five straight games. And I remember thinking like, oh, we got our we got our slugger for the next three, four years. It did not work out that way. But 
he has a special place in my heart. So that comp is actually a good one. His final year was age 30. He was out of baseball at 30. I know. Amazing. Right. But he had some good years with the Astros, right? I mean, Hank, Hank Blaylock, I'm trying to think was his, his, he, he retired at 29. Yeah. Chris Bryant's being re- compared to all these guys who didn't even play into their 30s. It scares yeah. me, man. And look, if somebody wants to say, well, I don't, I don't care about you know the baseball reference comps. It's it's an algorithm. It, there's no and, and baseball reference is an awesome page. But I mean, you know, there's a lot of smarter data out there. I, I'm much more interested maybe in um, what Statcast data might say about a player or Fangraphs data. Than yeah, I'll tell you that in a second. So uh, Chris Bryant last year, uh, looking at his quality of contact, was not good. So average exit velocity for Chris Bryant last year was 85 miles an hour, which is not good at all. And if you compare with his previous seasons in 2021, it was 88.2. And in sort of his peak, it was like 89.3. So he's never been like an elite hard contact kind of guy. And that was kind of the rub that kept him from being like an early round pick for me. Cause I was always a little bit skeptical as to what the power upside is. But you have to just keep in mind, whatever he went through last year, especially with the back, to me, that explains some of the weaker contact that Bryant uh, went through last season. If he's healthy, I, I think it's a it's an if to say that he is and that he can remain that way uh, with the back and with plantar fasciitis, which is something that can linger for mm-hmm. years. And I know that, that I have it, too, um, where suddenly you feel fine and then you go for a sprint or a run and then it's back. Um, sometimes it takes you to fully tear it to get over it. So we'll watch that. Harrison Bader is another one of those players who missed a lot of time with plantar fasciitis last year. Uh, but assuming Brian is healthy most of the time, getting that lift from Coors Field, I think he can meet this ADP that he has right now and possibly exceed it. So my final pick, and again, we'll talk about somebody who was injured last year, but this is a front nine injured guy. This is somebody who's still on the escalator going up. Jonathan India, rookie of the year, two years ago, last year he's hurt. Throw it all out. Cincinnati, five-category guy. He's around pick 190 in Yahoo ADP, which is a screaming giveaway at a second-base position that really makes me nervous. You know, we always talk about cores, which is on its own planet. We get it. Although if you play at cores, you also have to have that effect when they go on the road where your timing is kind of all messed up. So you give some of it back. Yeah. I think Cincinnati overall, because it doesn't have that hangover on the road. I think the Cincinnati hitters might be better targets than the Colorado hitters. And there's a lot of guys I want to draft into. Get I don't know the Jonathan India discount's going to apply all spring, but right now he's pick 190 in Yahoo. I want you to go grab it with two hands. So what I think is interesting about India dealt with major hamstring issues in the first half last year. You know, although he didn't miss a ton of time in the second half, he was constantly banged up. Bumps and bruises here and there. And then if you want to go to his StatCast page, you can see in his rookie season where he was great, 86th percentile in sprint speed. Last year it was 59th percentile. To me, that tells me it's a hamstring. It's dude, a hamstring. dude was hurt. Dude was hurt. Simple as that. So assuming he's back to full health, He's hitting maybe at the top of that Reds lineup. I think there's a lot of optimism because it's just a great place to hit. And going back to what you said about maybe Reds hitters being a better target than Rockies hitters, I read something the other day, and I'm honestly a little skeptical about whether this is actually a smart thing for the Rockies to do. But there's been some discussion about them potentially resting the regulars a little bit more at home so they don't have – and we're talking position players – so they don't have as much of that hangover effect when they go on the road. I think that for the gate attractive attraction from like, you want to go and see the best players on the Rockies, which I guess there's not many these days, but still like losing that draw, like a kid wants to go see Chris Bryant, whatever. And he's not starting that day. I don't know if that's great business, but could it make the team more successful? Maybe again, I'm skeptical. They'll actually do it. But it's something worth watching, I think. No, it's interesting, and um, I don't think it would fa- it would fix the problem. But the question has always been, what's the optimal build for a Colorado Rockies team? Because they play at such an extreme atmosphere in the game, and, and it's not just that the ball flies out of the park there. But there's so much acreage, there's so many cheap yeah. you know dink hits that fall into the outfield and stuff, and. What should they do? Should they just steer into offense? Or you know, I mean, I don't know. They've done a lot of weird things. I mean, I'm old enough to remember when Don Baylor was their manager, and he would bunt 
You know, you yeah. know, or, or Jim Leland would be their manager, and Larry Walker couldn't play one day, and so Lenny Lenny Harris would hit third, which I always thought was hilarious. But um, it'd be fun if they could figure out the optimal way to play in Colorado. It's such it's such a clean city. It's such a really fun ballpark, and I've had a really good time. The couple of times I've been had a chance to go out there, have some friends. I do some business every September with my friend Dean Peterson. Go to the Bull and Bush uh, Bull and Bush Sports Bar, by the way, in Cherry Creek. Terrific uh, bar, and, and they have every game on, but. Um, I'd love to see Colorado be a playoff contender again. They're nowhere close. This is, in fact, DJ. Since I've been playing fantasy, I can't remember a Rockies lineup that was less fun than this one. I know, I know. Brendan Rodgers, I think, dislocated his shoulder yesterday too. So even one of the, like the fringe interesting guys, we'll see if he needs to miss any significant time. But but you're right. Like there's not a lot to pluck out here. There's the rookie shortstop. Uh, who we're hoping for some things from him this year. But yeah, there's just not a lot to love with this Rockies team. Hopefully that that changes uh, very soon. Remember the Rockies were, this must have been like six, seven years ago, maybe even longer than that. Remember they were the first team to really try the opener thing and they did the piggyback starters and it didn't work. I don't really know what the aim there would be give hitters a different look uh maybe have pitchers being more high effort and focusing on strikeouts and grounders i I don't know but i gave him credit at that time for at least trying something but the rockies now just seem like a team without a plan and i'd rather see a plan were they the first humidor humidor team too i think they might have been they were they were but yeah, a very sorry Rockies fans. I don't sorry, mean to Colorado. I'm sorry. You're going to be. I think you're going to be the worst team in that division too, because I actually yeah. have some optimism for the Arizona club. So yeah, I, I think Colorado is going to be another you know 68 win season for them. Yeah. So last pick for me is Trevor Rogers. Um, and remember, breakout star, breakout rookie pitcher, probably the best rookie pitcher in 2021. Uh, 2.64 ERA and 25 starts. Had 157 strikeouts and 133 innings, but uh, completely fell off the table last year. 5.47 ERA in 23 starts. He had the strikeouts down, the walks up. But what we saw in his spring debut on Tuesday night against your Red Sox, uh, Rogers uh, struck out four over two scoreless innings, uh, was sitting in mid-90s. His max velocity was 95.7 miles per hour. All four of his strikeouts came on his changeup, which is a really important pitch for him. Uh, And I think what we saw during the second half last year, he looked a little better even if the ERA didn't show it. The expected numbers were a little bit better, uh, got more ground balls. I think he'll probably never be as good as that rookie version that we saw. I wasn't fully in on the 2.64 ERA, but I do not think, he is a 5.47 ERA pitcher, especially if he's throwing like he's throwing in the spring right now. Can he be a middle ground pitcher there? You know, ERA in the mid threes, strike out a batter per inning. I think he can do that. If you look at the ADP right now, 255.42 on NFC, probably going to go up after what we saw on Tuesday. And this is kind of what we were talking about. If you're drafting early, these are the advantages you can get. You could potentially get a Trevor Rogers or a Tyler Malley for dirt cheap right now. And whereas in three weeks from now, if they continue to pitch well, they continue to get this hype, they're going to go probably 50 picks higher. So I think if you want to go in on Trevor Rogers right now, he could be a nice value. Yeah, he's somebody I really liked last year. And we always talk about being patient. And I was really patient with Trevor Rogers, and it hurt me. He just, you know, basically torched my team. But it's a new year. Pitchers are always, you know, changing things. You know, catchers, pitching coaches, spot in the rotation. And you mentioned the changeup. So why is the changeup so important? It's the way that you get the opposite-handed batters out. So he's a left-handed pitcher. If his changeup is working, that's going to give him an out pitch against right-handed hitters, which is gigantically important. And it's, it's not just that he struck out four guys, but as you said, the, the changeup was the money pitch for him. So if he's still got the feel of that pitch for, you know, through, through the spring, that ADP is going to rise. Miami's generally a good place to pitch. And we've seen it was only two years ago that Rodgers was a difference maker in fantasy. I think he has a lot of upside and makes a ton of sense at the current price. I think a lot of when you think about approaching TGFBI, for example – 
it is a league with a lot of like industry people, but there's also people who've applied and, you know, they're just avid fantasy players. And I think the question going into a draft like this, where you want to be like number one overall, it's do you zig where everyone else is zagging or do you need to just hit on everything? So when you're this late in a draft, if you hit on a Trevor Rogers and suddenly he's the pitcher he was two years ago, like that can be the difference between you and another really good team to really stand out from the pack. I, I think it's interesting to start to think about that kind of stuff, especially in these larger pools of teams. What you're going to want to do, and it's okay if you have different names, but you're going to want to have your pet list of whether it's Trevor Rogers, whether it's Molly, whether it's Sean Mania, whoever it is, pitches you can get outside of the top 200, maybe even outside of the top 300. You can tell yourself a story that they could have ERAs in the low threes. They could have 175 strikeouts. They could make the all-star team, however you want to frame it, because it, it's, it's such a position of variance. And there's going to be 8, 10, 12 of these guys who pop, and the people who win leagues are going to have a couple of these guys. So yep. you start running your list of who, who am I taking? Who are my lottery tickets? Who are my home run picks? Understanding a lot of them you're going to cut. A lot of them aren't going to work out. You know, or, or maybe even some of them will work out at the beginning of the year. You might not believe in them. Maybe you'll flip them to get a better player, stuff like that. But that's one of the earliest things you want to work on is who are the pitchers I'm taking late? Because everybody, it's like in fantasy football, we're all taking like what rookie running back are we taking? What backup running back are we taking that is one injury away from being a fantasy league winner? Running backs are the starting pitchers of fantasy baseball. So your league winner could be Trevor Rogers. Yeah, and it, I was actually just watching Andrew Painter, the Phillies uh, prospect, 19 years old, uh, fireballer, throwing 99 miles per hour in the first inning today. And it's like if you're late in a draft and you have a choice between Andrew Painter or a Tyler Malley or you know Trevor Rogers or Sean Manaya, like those are two very distinct roads to go down. Do you take the veteran who has a chance to bounce back? Or do you take someone who could set the league on fire, but maybe throw 100 innings? I, I mean, those are two very different roads to go down. Still could work out for both. But those are the kind of choices you're going to have to make late in draft. Yeah, I'm really curious to see what Philadelphia does with Painter. He turns 20 in April. His stats last year, I mean, look, it was just a ball, but they just read like a misprint. He struck out 69 guys in 38 and two-thirds innings, six foot seven. I mean, he's... He he's a guy where if I told you, oh, the Phillies have a really highly touted pitching prospect. If you just watch them throwing on the sideline, you'd be like, it's that guy, right? I mean, he just identifies himself. Yeah. And another thing about that Philly staff. So Zach Wheeler has apparently added a new pitch, I guess, because he, he wasn't satisfied with his arsenal. And the, the hype out of Phillies camp is that it's basically an unhittable pitch. I'm very interested to see i mean this is the, what happens in spring training you know pitchers toy around with stuff if he can add another pitch to his arsenal to become even more unhittable uh that would be really something well when you said zach wheeler he was the first pitcher i took in tgfbi and when you first mentioned his name i was afraid like oh no you're gonna tell me no, something no, no. like sorry <laughs> you know, zach wheeler has sleep apnea or something and you know, <laughs> he's gonna miss half the season uh, so i'm glad something good i mean look, well, we'll see if the new pitch works or not if zach wheeler just does you know with me with early picks mookie best was my first pick pete alonzo over rafael devers for the environment was my second pick with all of those guys with zach wheeler i'm just like just be who you usually are an all-star yeah. caliber player, an MVP candidate, a Cy Young candidate, whatever like that is. I just want Zach Wheeler to give me the 200 strikeouts that I expect. He's one of the pitchers who we think could maybe throw 200 innings. There just aren't many guys like that anymore. So if he gets better and I get the best Zach Wheeler season of all time, that's awesome. But for the most part, I just want my early picks to just perform around what their norms are. Exactly. Exactly. So this was awesome, Scott. And, and I hope we uh, provided – our listeners and viewers with uh, some names to keep in mind in the mid to late rounds of drafts who, who could bounce back. Uh, so this was fun, Scott. We'll check in again uh, early next week, next Monday. I have a uh, labor uh, NL only auction Friday night in Florida. Uh, it's weird. It's I'm going to be going from 30 degree weather in the, to nineties and then right back into thirties. So it's going to be a shock to the system, but I'm looking forward to that draft uh, all in person um, where you're making, you know, bids uh, all, you're 
you're it's not you're, you're not on a computer you you have to do it all verbally like that's that's old school right there and, and i'm the looking forward so to get... quick people don't realize yeah. with with labor and with tout wars that it's not like I, I used to be in a in an auction league in Michigan where and with an awesome bunch of guys. Uh, one of the guys in the league was Peter Morris, who has a Hall of Fame vote, a very decorated baseball writer. But the, the rule of that league is that at any point you could call timeout and you could look something up in a book or in a magazine and the auction would take all day. And, and <laughs> they were such awesome guys. I, I never said anything about it or complained about it because yeah, I just cool. enjoyed being around my buddies yeah. and everything. But in Tout Wars and Labor, you're not calling timeout. You're going to make up your mind in like three seconds. You basically have to know already how you feel. And so it's yeah. exhilarating and a little bit just kind of crazy at the same time. And the yes. wonderful thing about auctions, too, is that let's just say, for example, you really want to draft Trey Turner this year or Julio Rodriguez or whatever, and you draw the 14th pick in your league, you're, you're not getting Julio Rodriguez. You know, mm-hmm. you're not getting certain guys you just won't get because of your draft slot. In an auction, you can have Trey Turner and Julio Rodriguez, or you can draft. If you, you want to draft an entire offense or entire pitching staff, you could do it. Just a matter of where you'd have to backfill the other positions. So it gives you so much more diversity in the personality of your build. And then that's, you know, it also does the poker elements. Is, is the person bidding against yeah. me? Do they really want that player? They're yep. trying to stick me with them. What if I back off? Why stick them with somebody they, they don't really right. want? There's all that that goes into it. So it's it's an awfully fun way to do it. And if you can't get in person to do it, it's certainly playable on Yahoo Fantasy. We have a great action, yep. auction room. So check that out. It's uh, If you haven't tried one, I, I'm not going to say everybody who plays in an auction league loves it, but I swear the retention rate has got to be like 90% because, you again, you have more flexibility in how you build your roster and it just the league becomes more dynamic. And I think it's kind of the, the checkers to chess analogy gets thrown out a lot. Yeah, but I think it's different. Or, or poker, right? You're playing limit poker versus no limit poker. So uh, if you haven't yeah. played an auction league, uh, check it out because I think you might enjoy it. Yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to the to the draft on Friday, especially that in-person element and, you know, trying to pick up everyone's tell and all that. I like it. Go. It's going to be di- all very bring, different. No, so. no Oreos. Don't bring any Oreos. It's a <laughs> dead giveaway. <laughs> no, it'll be, it'll be great. And we'll talk about it next week, uh, you know, when I get back from that. So definitely looking forward to that, Scott. Make sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, circling the bases. And if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, be sure to rate and review. Uh, also, make sure to follow us on Twitter if you don't already. Scott is at Scott underscore Pianowski. I'm at DJ Short. Take care, everyone. We will see you next time. summer projects your way with Memorial Day savings from the Home Depot. With free delivery on over 2 million items, you can make the most of summer grilling and dig into gardening. Plus, get same-day delivery on thousands of products like power tools and storage to tackle any last-minute garage project. Summer your way with Memorial Day savings from the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Order select and stock items by 4 p.m. subject to availability. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.